I'd say the classical introduction. The classical introduction. I think every listener right now knows what we are studying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, you even probably remember what we're studying from the intro that we did. Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can introduce us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the welcome to our 27th episode exactly, of 20, the Extra Time Podcast. The first of the, of the new season. I'm Julius, I'm a student business psychology and, uh, and a TEDx organizer and uh, Miklas, uh, he signed me that it's the second episode, so I correct myself, it's the second episode of the third season. Hello everyone again, um, I'm Miklas de Kok, I'm a student uh, economics, law and business administration and I'm also a TEDx organizer and right now we are not in the, in the Boule. For the first time, we do our podcasts uh, somewhere else, on a different location, and we are in a special room. Thomas, how do you call the room? It's the Le Fumoir. Uh, it's a cigar lounge, um, my private cigar lounge, and uh, I'm very happy that I can invite you here. It's a little bit a pity that we are not in the Boule, because I've heard a lot of nice stories, but I think it's nice to be here in this atmosphere because here you can see and smell and touch the cigars um, and uh, you are very welcome here. Thank yeah, you. Thank you very so much. today we will talk about cigars mainly and as a guest we have Thomas Grison. He is a, a salesman. Yes. Can indeed. I introduce you like, like this? Yes, of course. Or do you think it has like a negative uh, connotation? No, no absolutely, oh, absolutely not. not. No. That's uh, what a good salesman would say. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and you're also uh, the founder of Oh My Cigar. Yes, that's and, right. Um, yeah. What is Oh My Cigar? What does it do? And since when are you interested? In, since when did you found uh, Oh My Cigar? Well, Oh My Cigar, uh, I started the journey with Oh My Cigar the 1st of January 2018 um, but long before I was already active in the in the tobacco sales um, I have to tell you that my grandfather and grandmother they were in the tobacco um, they had a factory in Loreningen in the West Flanders so they were cutting and producing tobacco for uh, chewing tobacco and uh, fine cut tobacco this tobacco was mainly for the, the mines in, uh, in, in Wallonia and also in, um, in northern of France. So uh, they and fi fine cut tobacco, how do, you, how do you consume it? Well, it's uh, as we call it, the, the, the cigarettes that you roll yourself. So we call it roll your own. Um, today you, all, you even have make your own. So that's the cigarette that you tube with a small device, a small machine. Um, but they, at that time, it was a, a tobacco that was cut uh, in Flemish. We call it kerven. So they had the, the, the machines, the equipment to cut the tobacco in small pieces so that uh, you could roll your own cigarette. Um, and that was uh, yeah, after the Second World War. Um, but in '84, he sold his factory to the family van der Marlieren. Um, and that is a family that is since 1926 in the cigar business. So they actually, the Guido van der Malire, the, the owner, at that time he said, I see an opportunity for fine cut. While my grandfather said, 
this is nothing for uh, for the future. Uh, there is too much anti-tobacco, and also he had some uh, health issues with his heart, so he wanted to sell his business. Um, and they came to an agreement, and he sold his uh, factory to uh, the company Van der Marlieren. But that means that uh, tobacco is in my blood. Yeah. After my studies, I studied in Ghent, uh, sales, marketing. Um, but immediately I started to work in the sales. And uh, one day, it's a nice story. I remember I was working for Tramota van Alst, another famous Be uh, Belgian Flemish uh, company, family company. And this is like a red line through my life. I, I, I like to work for uh, family companies. Um, but I was at the, at the trade show in Brussels and I saw in the Hazelle uh, magazine, you know the magazine Hazelles? This is a, a magazine where all the companies in Flanders are listed and you have companies that grow faster, so they are higher on the ranking. And I saw that the company Grison was on the first place fast. Um, yeah, the... the, the the fast-growing companies in the region. So I saw, okay, Grison is on number one. I know that company. I will call them and see if they need an export manager. Because with Termota van Alst, I was also doing sales export. And I really wanted to, to, to work in export because that was a dream to travel. Um, of, of course, sales is nice, but if you can do it uh, abroad, it's even nicer. So I called uh, the, the company Grison and the HR uh, person uh, replied me, oh, that's uh, funny because on Monday we closed the application, the, um, what do we call it, the, the solicitation? The application. Yeah, yeah. The application. Procedure, yeah. um, so I will ask the commercial director if you still can do the tests and, and so on. So uh, she called me back and she said, yeah, if you are able to do that, come on Monday, do the test. So I went on Monday to, it was an office in, in Kortrijk, a bureau, a hiring uh, office. I did the test on Wednesday, second uh, uh, meeting. And on Friday, I signed uh, the contract. I even didn't tell uh, my wife at the time that was pregnant for uh, our second uh, <laughs> child, uh, Lara Helena, the daughter. But uh, it was... Yeah, it was from my heart. I really wanted to work in the international business, tobacco, because I, I, I felt something for tobacco. Um, I had, uh, had positive feelings from the past. I think it I will be more uh, emotional related to, uh, to cigars than to uh, trucks. Or what, what is the motive on us? Uh, it was spare parts of uh, yeah. lifting trucks. Um, and that's indeed, of course, the, the, the content of the job is very nice. But... It's even better if you can uh, sell something and something that you really believe, that you feel passionate about. Mm. And that was definitely cigar, um, tobacco. Because Grison was rolling tobacco, not cigars. But yeah. I was already smoking cigars. I was not uh, smoking cigarettes. I have never smoked cigarettes until I was... Uh, I never have smoked cigarettes. And my first cigar was when I was uh, 25. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you say it's for the company Grison? Uh -huh. But it's, it's the same last name as you have. Is yes, it, uh, my grandparents. Oh yeah, okay. They sold it, they sold, to, yeah, but the name remained. Yeah. Okay. They, they kept the name. 
so before we dive uh, deeper into the the world of tobacco, mm -hmm. uh, you are a born uh, salesman, I think, <laughs> and also international. And I, I wonder, do you think everyone can can become a salesman, or do you think it's it's like you need a specific type of, of characteristics? Mm. Well, um, I don't think I really thought of myself. I was a salesman. Um, when I uh, studied in Waregem in the college was uh, handel, so that was obvious something with uh, economics uh, and so on. But it was not not really in my mind that I was a person for sales. But step by step, I found myself having, a, let's say, yeah, a good time in in, in selling products. Um, so. To answer your question, I don't think everybody is born to be a, a salesperson. It doesn't mean that you cannot be a, a salesperson if you are not born for it. It's just, it's a different level. Um, I remember that uh, for me, I'm not a hard seller. So if, if someone is from the past, I remember that they said, someone said, what are you doing here in marketing? This is not your kind of place you're too soft maybe yeah too kind yeah so that was just a different mindset but i thought yeah i like this i enjoy it but i just have a different approach and i think on the longer term it helps me to first of all uh, in the tobacco because it's pure relation and definitely in the cigars um, we will come later to that but in cigars that's a very specific product Craftsmanship, relation is very important. Um, trust. Yeah. It's not pure selling. You need to have a little, a little bit more skills. Yeah. Because for me, my job is not only selling, it's also trying to find a market. Then you need to understand the market. You need to do research, competition. You need to think about what is the strategy to enter that market. How can we be... Uh, market leader doing the different steps it's not pure selling I did that I have also sold uh, uh, telephone uh, um, contracts and in the beginning it's very weird because you, you sell something and, and they say oh no no it's not nothing for me two months later everybody that's entered the, the shop you sell what you sell something even maybe they don't need it did, did you ever have uh, had a <laughs> colleague that didn't smoke cigars No, it's not possible to be a salesman of, of cigars if... But I but think the, before yeah, we, maybe yeah. it's uh, because we were exploring your timeline, so yeah. you went into uh, tobacco, yeah. but uh, eventually you then made the jump to cigars later on. Mm -hmm. um, wh where are we in the timeline? How old were you when you joined Grison? And when eventually did you go for the cigar business, which is yeah. now your main area of so now i'm uh, 38 i'm eight years in the company uh, cortez the van der marlieren group and therefore was four years so i was around 25 i started uh, in with grison but before that i have never smoked cigarettes um, but i had a, a kind of a, a sort of affection for the product So when I was 25, I started to smoke cigars. So even when I was traveling around the world, because Expo Manager, I was responsible for uh, the Americas, uh, Russia, Africa, Eastern Europe. 
So when I was having meetings with my clients, I, have, I was always having a cigar with me and I was smoking cigars. Sometimes they, 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 they joked with me and said, ah, Thomas is again there with the cigar. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a part while, of you. While I yeah. was selling roll your own tobacco. But for me, I even that's uh, maybe a side story, but until I was 21, I have n not touched a single drop of alcohol. I studied in Ghent. I was also uh, on a uh, cot. How do you say in yeah, English? Yeah. <laughs> on a residence. On a residence. Yeah. Having Thursday night, uh, going, then going out with friends, but never had a beer or something. That's changed, of course, obviously. Oh, what did you, what uh, did you do? I'm an expert. Unless this is an alcohol-free alcohol beer here no, <laughs> that no, we're no. drinking right now. Uh, what did you do in the evening then, if you were in Ghent? Uh, partying. You don't need uh, beer ah, you were or, taking uh, drugs? Or? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, okay, but you already met your wife. Uh, yeah, yeah when okay. I was 16, I met my yeah, wife. Then you don't need everything alcohol went anymore. Wrong. Everything went wrong when I was married. Then I started to drink alcohol. Ah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and, but that's that's really interesting. That until 21, that you you never never drank a drop of alcohol. Was there any particular reason for that? I really don't know. Sometimes I think, well, why was that? I cannot remember why I was not having a cigarette or trying it or having alcohol. It was just not something that I was uh, really looking into. Yeah, um, I had fun without that so maybe it's because you weren't old enough to really appreciate the taste of alcohol and more it was like a group pressure or yeah but um yeah you only need alcohol if you uh, then uh, if you need uh, to find a, a woman and then you're married and you then you need alcohol to uh, to forget, maintain to, no to forget your misery <laughs> No, 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 well, I'm just joking. She, uh, she will listen to the podcast, so I, I don't agree with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, but I have to say that uh, her parents, for example, um, they, they are really people who like life, good food, nice wines, uh, cognac and so on. So I really started to explore that world. And maybe it was an advantage that I have never done that before. And I could do it on my own pace and really try to develop my palate. Because with cigars, how can you enjoy cigars? It's just by smoking them. And as many as possible, of course, it's not like smoking cigarettes. I mean, as many as possible, I mean, when you are relaxed and you think, okay, no, I have time, I have two hours, I, can, I, I, I really need something to, to, to enjoy, you can take a cigar. And try different types of cigars. So you develop your palate. And I think it was exactly the same with alcohol. With wine. I tried to different wine regions. Um, I also had uh, the chance to really develop my palate for vodka. Um, yeah, that's also very strange. Because um, a little side note. I know you from before the, the podcast. Uh -huh. uh, you were uh, sometimes at my uh, place. And... I see after the dinner we always do like a shot of vodka. Yes. So you have uh, like also a, a passion or maybe a certain knowledge about vodka. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, is it related to cigars? Or did you find the passion of vodka uh, when you were a salesman in, in, in Russia? Or how did you... Mm -hmm. Because the most people drink vodka here in Belgium mixed. Yeah. 
and that's a huge mistake according everyone from Poland everyone from Ukraine everyone from Russia um how did how did it start your uh... well as i as i told you it was because of my parents in law that they they introduced me into the world of uh, uh vodka uh, because they are from georgia russian speaking family um but It was interesting to to try different types of vodka. Of course, we started with uh, Russian vodkas because that's the best vodka. Um, forgive me, Polish friends. Um, yeah. But um, okay, I really appreciate also Polish vodkas. But Russia is really the baker mat of of, of uh, vodka. But to also answer your question, white spirits vodka, it doesn't fit very well with cigars. So that's uh, something that I never will drink together because there is no really a pairing possibility um, and I'm talking about straight vodka um, even vodka with a taste but that, that's something I never will drink I, 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 I prefer pure vodka uh, but that's always without a cigar Perhaps we can go in, into the do's and don'ts of cigar smoking while we light our cigars up. I, I saw yeah, that's that a good idea. Yeah, you already started yours. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps while we unpack uh, our cigars, you can explain to us which ones you uh, have cho we have chosen together yeah. just before the podcast. Uh, to give an, an image to the people, we are in uh, the uh, personal lounge yeah. of Thomas. Uh, And there's a whole closet full of cigars at our left-hand side, at my left-hand side. And we are in, in a cozy um, sofa right here. And, and the setting is optimal for cigar smoking, I would say. And uh, Thomas has given us the opportunity to do some tasting here. And I have a uh, cigar, uh, which is a lighter Well, it's a, it's a cigar from uh, Dominican Republic. Uh, Dominican Republic tobaccos are known for freshness. Um, and in most cases, they are also a little bit, uh, let's say, milder than uh, Cuban or uh, Nicaraguan cigars. But of course, you always have exceptions. Um, but the cigar Robusto is, is, is really a mild cigar, very creamy, uh, very pleasant cigar to smoke. Um, and still it has a, an evolution, so it's not, not a flat cigar, so you will from the start until the end you will see that there are different steps in flavor, in aromas, um, so I hope you will enjoy that. And the other cigar that, uh, that we have uh, here on the table is one of my, let's say, day-to-day -day favorite cigars. It's, it's like your, your good house wine. Yes, exactly, yeah, exactly. It's, that's uh, the one you're having right now, right? Yes, yeah. that's the one. I have, and also uh, uh, Miklas has now in his hand, um, and it's of course it's my pleasure to to introduce you in the world of cigars. And the best thing to do that is uh, smelling the cigar, cutting, and uh, lighting on the cigar and smoking. And while we do that, I will explain a little bit more um, the tips and tricks. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> so smell step one, cut. Well, um, first of all. When you uh, would like to enjoy a cigar for the full 100%, you need to smell it before you light it. So you open the cigar. I mean, some cigars are in a cellophane packaging, in a cellophane wrap. This is just to protect the cigar. 
Um, most Cuban cigars, they are not in a cellophane. Uh, but Nicaraguan, Honduras, Dominican, in most cases, they are wrapped in, in a cellophane. And that's to protect the cigar. Um, but as you know, probably or not, cigars has to be kept in a constant uh, humidity of 70%. Mm. That's very important. That's the reason why we have these closets here. Um, they are um, yeah, in, in condition of 70% humidity. So that keeps the cigar moist, elastic, and also it keeps the flavor. Uh, what's the humidity of normal and normal space? Well, in the winter and the summer, it it depends. But uh, let's say that, uh, for example, today we had a quite sunny day, so the humidity is a little bit higher. Um, but in this room, it's around uh, 30, 25, 30 percent. Mm. So what what we exactly do with these closets, cabinets, actually, is uh, to um, have the same climate as the moment the cigars are rolled. So all the cigars that we roll, that we have here at the launch and that I am selling with Umay Cigar, they are all from the Caraiben. So we are talking about Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduras, Mexico also. Um, so there the climate is perfect to uh, grow cigar tobacco. That's a completely different type of tobacco than the tobacco that is used for cigarettes. There is no comparison. It's a different variety. It's a different size. It's di it's completely different. Cigar tobacco grown in the Caribbean. Also, we have Cameroon and we have some cigar tobacco in Indonesia, Java, Sumatra. But these are more used for machine-made cigars. Cameroon is mostly used for the wrapper. And the wrapper is the leaf that you see. And it's actually a Belgian family that holds that company in Cameroon. It's, it's a fantastic company. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that later. Mm -hmm. um, but going back to the Caraiben, there the humidity is always 70 or more. So that's also the point with cigars. You try to make the same environment yeah. to keep your cigar in perfect condition. If your cigar is for two, three days outside the humidor, it dries up. It loses aroma, it loses flavor. So even during transportation, the cigars are maintain, maintained on the same uh, humidity? humidity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Of course, if you do an air fright, okay, then it's five days, it's packed in a, in a box with cellophane, it will survive. And then you restore it in the, in the, in the humidor. Um, but if it's a sea freight, then it, it's for three, four weeks, it has to be in, in perfect condition. So, but... Back to uh, how to uh, yeah. start to enjoy a cigar, because also I, I, I prefer to say enjoying a cigar, because smoking, okay, it's smoking, I don't deny that, but it's, it's more tasting. like tasting, yeah. enjoying, like we do with whiskey or with wine. Yeah. So yeah, a yeah. smell, take the cigar under your nose. It's a little, little piece of art. <laughs> it's, uh, that's also the slogan of my company. Yeah? The art of smoking, oh, cigar smoking. Is, yeah. And why we have to smell is because you need to open your brains. It's exactly the same when you pour a whiskey or a cognac or a wine. It's something, it's in our nature. What are we doing? We smell from the cognac, we smell from the wine. We don't drink or sip immediately. It's exactly the same with the cigar. You need to prepare your brains for the, the cigar that you will smoke because you have many different terroirs, different flavors, 
and uh, different uh, blends. So you need to prepare yourself. What are we smoking? Once you have done that, then you uh, moisten a little bit the foot of your cigar because this is the, the foot where you place your the cigar in your mouth. Mm -hmm. A little bit, make it a little bit wet. And then you cut it with a cutter. You can also punch it, but that's a little bit too technically. I think we should start today with uh, cutting. So first you make it wet with your lips and then you cut it. Yes, and the reason why you do that is uh, to make sure that when you cut, that the tobacco is not breaking. Uh, okay. When you make it a little bit more wet, then uh, the, the tobacco is more elastic and uh, it will not break. Not too much, just a little bit. Yeah. But also then you have a little bit of taste of the tobacco, so that does also help you. Um, and then when you cut the cigar... I'm like really stressy to not over-moisturize it. <laughs> <laughs> so on the top of the, the, the cigar, the food, you see uh, that there is a, a leaf. Actually, you see uh, one, two, three rings, um, and you just cut above the first line. So not too so, much. So no, no, that's here. No, 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 here, here, really like uh, two oh, millimeter okay. here. Oh, really? Okay. Just on the top. I realized I, I the you one have a little, you have a torpedo size, so you can cut it half a centimeter. But you have to be very careful and cut it just the head off a little bit, like one, two, so two millimeter. I have a torpedo, so mine is uh, like a very sharp top. Uh, Julius has more like a flat top. Yeah. Yes. Is it uh, because uh, the way of yes. producing, or does it have something to do with the kind of tobacco or the taste? It's uh, we call it in in, in Spanish uh, vitola, uh, and vitola means model, and there are different models. As you can see, we have so many different sizes and 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 diameters, shapes, and the the torpedo shape is particular um, it's um, different how they roll that cigar um, but it gives more or it gives you an, not more but it gives you another feeling another experience and that's the main reason is there a correlation in quality no okay. no 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 because um, cigar brands from cigar houses they have all different models different um, uh, sizes and when I'm talking about cigars, I'm only talking about premium cigars. Hand-rolled, 100% hand-rolled, natural um, uh, cigars. There are no additives. There is no machine involved. Everything is done by hand. Um, so the second step, or the third step, actually, is you try the cigar dry okay. and feel if the resistance, the draw, is good. If you have cut not enough, you will feel like mm, the air is not going smoothly through the cigar. Don't inhale me. <laughs> and it's even not burning. I'm realizing how bad I treated my cigar on New Year's <laughs> Eve when I do this. Hallelujah. <laughs> poor, poor cigar. Yeah, so when you can uh, give it a try now and when you suck the air through then you feel resistance then probably your cigar needs to be cut a little bit further if it's okay if, if the air is going through smoothly then it's fine so i think it's a little bit uh, obstructing in my case could yeah, that be the case that's yeah. absolutely possible and then you cut it a little bit further uh, that's perfect there and why we do that um, because you don't want to work with the cigar because if you have to work one hour on your cigar 
you don't like it. You will not feel well. You will feel like it's. I have been too much busy with my cigar while I just wanted to enjoy my evening, sit together with my friends, enjoy my drink, talk. So the cigar needs to be uh, at the side. And if you have to work with it, it's 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 not good. Mm. It can also be that maybe because the cigar is made and rolled by hand, that the that the cigar has a bad construction. Yeah. So even if you cut it further, um, it will not help. Okay, then it means that the cigar it has a bad construction, and then you have to put the cigar aside and take another one. It's interesting. I think also that almost none of the high quality cigars are industrialized in the sense that it's almost always or always i don't know handmade yeah if we talk about hand rolled premium cigars everything that is here everything is made 100% hand rolled yeah. no machine there is no single machine involved do you, do you believe the quality is is higher if it's hand rolled yes absolutely and okay we have machine-made cigars and they use high-quality cigar tobaccos, but the tobacco inside is cut. So that means that you lose an, an experience. Hand-rolled cigars means that there are five leaves in your cigar that are full leaves mm. and that gives you a completely different experience. Also, rolling by hand is expensive. Even though it's done in, 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 in Nicaragua or in Cuba, it still is expensive. So the quality has to be higher because you use exclusive uh, tobacco, tobacco leaves. Yeah, I was also wondering just about the, the region. It's uh, most of the tobacco comes from um, yeah, Latin America, the middle mm -hmm. middle America, Mexico, Nicaragua. Do they also uh, have tobacco in Guatemala? I don't know. In Guatemala? Um, well, in Honduras they have. Definitely, yeah. but it's that Guatemala is not really a country for. Uh, uh, it's like it's like the the region of Yucatan and a bit higher. Yeah, and I was wondering, is it culturally, or is it pure the climate? Because I was wondering, tobacco is something from the natives in America. Yeah, it's I don't true. Know. Yeah, it's true. So the Java tobacco was imported from. Uh, that's something I I don't know exactly. Um, I think that uh, Java, the tobacco that we find in Java and Sumatra, that's uh, maybe yeah no you are right. It's imported after Columbus went to Europe and he brought the tobacco with him. Then the 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 Dutch uh, colonies uh, because they have the perfect climate. So the the Dutch people, the traders, they went to uh, Indonesia and they saw, okay, we have here perfect climate to grow tobacco. So they were also well, the first companies that started to make machine-made cigars. Um, but the inspiration was from the Native Americans. Absolutely. Then. Yeah, yeah okay. you are right. That's 100% uh, correct. Okay. And the reason why it's there is because of climate. And also uh, they say that they could find uh, drawings... Um, from um, old Asian uh, Indian uh, people smoking. Uh, I think Siri is talking with us. <laughs> <laughs> so they they, uh, they found drawings where they were rolling or smoking rolled tobacco leaves. Of course, it's not the same uh, as we have today, but 
it was already probably something used for relaxing or for some spiritual uh, events that they were burning tobacco and smoking it. And when it came to Europe, then everything started. Uh, first Spain and then uh, the Netherlands with uh, yeah, making cigars, but then machine made. Uh, but the hand-rolled cigars still are from the Caribbean because of the climate, the soil, and Cuba is by far the, the, the yeah, it's the, the baker mat of of, uh, of uh, cigar making uh, and, and tobacco. Uh, what is the, the perfect climate? Then, so you already talked about the humidity, mm -hmm. but are there other things like uh, maybe the 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 rain and the sun and the the soil? The soil is definitely very important. The soil and also the the tobacco leaves are very fragile, so they need to be in the valleys. Uh, they need to be uh, planted in, in valleys surrounded by mountains. Um, so they need sun, but uh, they don't like wind, for example, or heavy rains. I'm also a coffee lover, maybe you know that. And that's a, a little bit different story. Uh, coffee um, bean is on the top of the, the mountain, while the tobacco is in the, on the, on the, in the valley. On the bottom of the the mountain but it's exactly the same region where you find coffee beans you will find tobacco and vice versa but coffee on the top higher level while tobacco on on the on the lower levels where they can uh, really protect the tobacco plants uh, from direct sunlight from wind and rain but it's important humidity the soil it's uh, of course it's like with the wines you have different regions the soil gives a different taste to your cigar. Yeah. And same for grapes, vineyards, different locations, soil gives a different flavor, aroma to your wine. But uh, I see you are still not uh, yeah, smoking. Yeah, let's, uh, let's put a pin <laughs> in the history of uh, cigars and in uh, the specific uh, circumstances in which to, to harvest mm -hmm. them. And uh, let's light it, because yes. the smelling was a, a teasing and now we, we get the real thing. I have uh, here different lighters for you. Um, okay. We always use uh, gas lighters. Um, All right. And we are not using a Zippo. This is a Zippo, but with a jet flame wow. gas. And the reason is that it's, it has no smell. Um, because tobacco is very uh, sensitive for taking smell and flavors from around it. So when you are using a gas, a torch, wait, 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 you're making a mistake. Okay. When you fire, light a cigar, you need to put it in your hand and watch at the food. The reason is we need time, we need patience to light it. If you put it in your mouth and you light it as you do it for a cigarette, you don't see what happens there. Mm. And you will burn the wrapper and the wrapper is very fragile, is very expensive. You need to burn it very evenly and slowly so you take your lighter and you start doing like this and slowly you turn your cigar you turn your lighter you stop a little bit you give it some air by moving your hand but don't put it in your mouth and you will see that the ash will become gray so when you see uh, black spots the cigar is not yet ready to put in your mouth and this process, and I really like that about cigars, cigars, you need 
patience. You need time. You cannot just take a cigar and say, look, I have uh, 10 minutes, I will smoke my cigar. No, you need, uh, you need uh, time to relax. And then you light it, you turn your cigar, you turn your lighter, watch out for the wrapper, because that burns very fast. Yeah, it's, it's looking very good. And now you go to the center of your cigar and make it a little bit more gray. Okay. Yes, and when it's on that point, you put it in your mouth and you just give it some light or fire. You take some puffs and you make, I will show it for you. Can I have my lighter, please? So then you do it like this, you put it in your mouth. Oh yeah, okay. Yes, perfect. You're becoming an expert. Actually, this is like a master class of... Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, How you to smoke and cigars. I, I never noticed the, um, like when I did it, the giant flames that pop up uh, when, when you inhale. It's really nice effect. Is, is this how it's going uh, during your tastings as well? Yes, um, I once did a, a training at Sintra. It was nine hours divided over three days. Uh, unfortunately, it's not allowed anymore to do that. But um, of course, we could smoke outside. But that it's actually when I am doing tastings uh, internationally, uh, abroad. I, I mean, in many countries, it's still possible. Um, and then I give a masterclass about how to smoke, how to enjoy cigars. And we talk about the region, we talk about the cigars, but also some tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. um, there are no dogmas. There is no, I mean, there are no dogmas, but there are some small tips and tricks that helps you to enjoy more your cigar. And as you can see, all the, the cigars now are burning evenly mm -hmm. and nice. We were quiet with uh, amazement. This, uh, so no, now, I really now, like it. Yeah. So now the, the cigars are lit up. How do you smoke them? Well, or how do you taste them? The beautiful thing on a cigar is that you can uh, put it in your hand. You take now and then a puff, not too much. Yeah, sit back. Sit back. So back. we're gonna sit back now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and you take uh, every thirty seconds, one minute. You take a puff. And you try to have uh, as much as possible smoke in your mouth. Don't inhale, please. Don't inhale. Because a cigar, yeah. you cannot inhale. Yeah, because what happens when you, when you inhale? Well, if you do that uh, three, four times, uh, you will feel a little bit uh, dizzy. Your stomach will uh, fight against you and tell you this is not good. And you will run to the toilet. <laughs> Green. But uh, when you just take now and then a puff the cigar will not uh, stop burning because it's very slowly burning and now it's just yeah, the time to enjoy and try to understand what i'm tasting um, and it's different to uh, wine or cognac or rum or whiskey because there you have immediately a taste <laughs> with smoke it's different yeah. it's a little bit i think Diff more difficult than with a with a spirit or with uh, uh, yeah. wine, for example. Yeah. How's how's the experience, guys? Now that it's lighted up, I think we we didn't describe the the one of Baptiste yet. I think yeah. uh, you Baptiste have Baptiste smoking. A, so it's a smaller size cigar, but still also one hundred percent rolled by hand. 
Um, it's also a creamy, uh, mild cigar. Um, and the Connecticut wrapper is, is uh, actually from Ecuador. Ecuador is known for their wrappers. They have um, a natural uh, covering of clothes almost during the whole year. And why is that good for uh, the wrapper? And the wrapper is, as I explained to you, this is the, the leaf that you see. This is the leaf that is wrapped around your cigar. So this is the most expensive leaf. This is the leaf that you smell, that you touch, that you see. Um, and why is Ecuador so important and, and, and is a, a good place for growing wrappers is because of the, the natural uh, covering by clothes. Tobacco plants, they come one meter and a half, two meters high. And it starts from a very, very small seed. It's like a mustard seed. It's you, in, your home, in your hand, you hold like millions of seeds. Mm. One single seed becomes a plant of two meters. So what is the plant doing? It's trying to take all the nutrients and minerals from the soil uh, in the leaves, in the stem, and then in the leaves and in the flower. And the upper leaf, the last leaf, is the, uh, the, the first leaf, sorry, is, uh, needs to be protected by the direct sunlight. So if you have a natural covering, so less minerals and less nutrients will go to the upper leaf. So your upper leaf, your leaf uh, the, the, the tobacco plant has thinner and more elastic uh, tobacco leaves. Not in all uh, countries, for example, Dominican Republic, they cannot make really good wrappers. So the climate is not, or the soil, or the combination is not really suited for making wrappers. Uh, they have, but it's, it's very rare. Do, do you visit all the plants of which you have cigars here? Or have mm. you visited? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Is that like a something very important for you before you select something to be a part of your collection, let's say? That you have visited the process itself? Well, maybe I'm not a manufacturer. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more an aficionado, cigar lover, and it's, it's a passion. But, um, and I'm also selling uh, my cigars, of course. Um, but I'm not uh, involved in the, the, let's say, production process. But yeah. another part of my business is giving cigar trainings. Okay. Um, and therefore, I really like to go to the plantation I like to go to the cigar houses where they make the cigars, where they ferment the cigars, because that's also a whole process. You have the the growing of the tobacco leaf, then you have the curing, which is um, actually the crop that is uh, cut, and then they go to uh, dry barns. That's the curing. After the dry barns, the tobacco leaf is green, becomes brown, as you see, because tobacco is when it's fresh, it's green. It becomes yellow, orange, and brown. Then it goes through a fermentation process that takes six months, um, or even longer. It depends on which tobacco, which region, which position on the plant. And after the fermentation, it goes to the aging rooms. And there again, it depends on what cigar you want to achieve as a master blender. So how longer your tobacco has aged, uh, the better I mean, how more harmonized your cigar can be. Um, and then the cigar goes to the place where they make the cigars. So they select different um, colors, texture, um, also the quality. 
the size of the leaf, it is all selected and sorted, and then it goes to the, the, the place where they roll the cigar. That's the most interesting place, of course, when you are a tourist, for example. That's the place where you want to be. You want to see how they roll with their hands uh, the cigars. And all that, it seems like a in really intensive process mm -hmm. to make. What's the time frame? How from, mm -hmm. from, the, from the seed until the eventual cigar? Well, the cigar that you are holding right now um, is, uh, I think, at least now three, four years old. Okay. I mean, from the seat until uh, the cigar reaches your hand, you take it out of the box. So before it's ready to be smoked, it has to be four years old. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't have to be, but it's yeah. better. And the cigar that you are holding right now is at least three, four years old. And your Oliva is also probably in the same uh, range. That's insane. And how long does it take for a tobacco plant uh, to grow to full plant before mm -hmm. uh, it can be harvested? Well, they start um, um, sowing the tobacco seeds in, in uh, September. And the, the, the crop, they take it um, around uh, November, December or even later, January, February. It depends a little bit on the, on the region. Um, but uh, yeah, the tobacco plant grows for 40 to um, 50 days. And then they start with um, the, yeah, selecting the, the leaves from the plant and they start always on the bottom and they go to the top. So they do first the whole plantation, the bottom, the first leaves, then they start to the, the, the second position and then to the third position. Um, but a cigar after it is rolled in the factory um, can also be aged for a couple of months before it is shipped to the, the markets. And if you want to have a really, really harmonized, good cigar, it has to age for one year, two years. Is there an expiration date? Well, personally, I think that a cigar, a good cigar in right conditions it's um, the maximum age is 15 years 15 to 20 years because it will lose uh, his um, strength mm. so the cigar will be very smooth and mild but you will not really find uh, an evolution in the cigar anymore the, the, the flavors will be a little bit too flat the best the best time is, I think, between uh, five and, 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 let's say, 15 years. Then you reach the best uh, flavors with your cigar. And the different types of tobacco that are used. So in the center, we have Ligero. That's the leaf on the top of the plant. It's the thickest leaf. It burns slow. Then you have the Seco and the Viso around to Ligero. That's the middle, middle position of the plant. That's tobacco that's a little bit less aroma, less flavor, but it's for the combustion. So that makes that it burns well. And then you have the binder and the wrapper and it's all influence each other, these tobaccos. So the master blender, I am absolutely not a master blender. Sometimes I have people, they ask me, do you want to make your own cigar? Yes, but I cannot do that. I'm a cigar lover and I can distinguish different tastes of cigars. But I cannot blend the cigar. It's a very difficult job. And um, the most cigar houses, and I'm talking about really the most cigar houses in Nicaragua, in the Dominican Republic, 
the people who are master blenders, who are making the blends, they are Cubans. After the revolution in the 50s, they went to different places, to the United States, to Nicaragua, Mexico, Honduras, everywhere in the world. But they started again making cigars. So their knowledge, their heritage is still in the cigar that we smoke today. And it's a, it's a knowledge that is passed over child to father, I mean father, child. Yeah, you, you yeah. can't keep it up uh, in just one life cycle so mm. but maybe we will have or have if you have grandchildren yeah who knows but um, I, I prefer to to smoke my cigars and I don't have to think about uh, how I have to make uh, my blend that's uh, that's not my uh, that's not my business yeah it seems uh, complex enough uh, to um, to know everything about it uh, I, I must say I, I never realized how uh, how detailed the work is Yeah, I think you really start to appreciate a cigar when you know a little bit. If you have a limited yeah. education about what is a cigar and, and how is it made and, and, and from where is it. And you mean 300 hands at least has touched your cigar from the, the seat until the cigar in the, is put in the cigar box. 300 hands. It's, it's, a, it's a very long process. It's an... It's a, yeah. Then you start to appreciate when you smoke a cigar, that's the reason why you take time. You need time. And then you can enjoy. And look at uh, the ash of your cigar, Julius. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. You do it perfect. And why... I, I why should I leave the ash? Yeah. Well, you, 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 need, you don't need to uh, uh, keep the ash. But oh, yeah, okay. like it is now, it's perfect. Just you don't want to drop it on your pants. But like... A half a centimeter or one centimeter ash is good because then you have a barrier between the oxygen and the burning point and that makes the temperature of your cigar on a constant level. Yeah. So if the temperature is going too high in your cigar, you will notice sharp sharpness, um, not really nice flavors. And when you keep that little bit of ash, it doesn't have to be you know the whole cigar, but like uh, one centimeter is more than enough. So that prevents... The, the the harsh taste yeah. it makes the cigar burning on a on a on a on a ever, on a on a constant uh, temperature also a detail that i notice you never taste the cigar when when the smoke is still in your mouth it's mm. only when you blow it out it seems that the taste starts to kick in i think it's because you are a rookie yeah uh, you need to I'm smoke untrained, more uh, yeah. you need to train <laughs> okay, more okay. Yeah. maybe it's just me yeah <laughs> i think it's still hard to to smoke it well like mm -hmm. uh, the, the the smoke comes in your in your mouth or does it really have to come in your no, no not trough? in your trough no 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 the the for me the the, the tobacco has to be on your tongue and on your um okay. uh, palate yeah it's uh, not in your trough because that's I mean, not nice do you sometimes exhale out of your nose or is it yes. not done um this is called retro hail Um, that's uh, a technique that we sometimes use um, the more experienced cigar smokers and why they do that that's just because when you retrohale and that's not through your throat but just through your nose and you do it maybe once or twice during a cigar is to really find fine-tune the the flavors that you want to notice but in my opinion it's mostly pepper that you will taste All the other flavors are because they on your tongue and on your palate. But 
But the retrohale is actually it's a, it's a technique that is used by uh, experienced cigar smokers to yeah really fine tune their experience and find out what can I uh, discover in the cigar. Uh, what is for you the because now you are in the cigar world, but for a lot of people, the man who smokes a cigar or tastes a cigar is really a stereotype. Like a, an old, yeah. uh, white, white guy, type. Yeah, godfather yeah, type, yeah. yes. Do you, do you or know? the bad guy in the movie. Yeah, yeah. or yeah. the bad guy in the movie. Do you yeah. know the offspring look, look of, at church of, of, of these stereotypes? Is it just because of Hollywood? Of, or? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the movies has a big part in that. Um, the United States is by far the biggest market. Maybe we can, I can answer your question and then also talk a little bit about the numbers. Um, the US is, uh, is by far the biggest market for cigars and they have no access to Cuban cigars. Okay, they have, but very limited um, because there is an embargo. So if you are an American citizen, you are not allowed to smoke a Cuban cigar. But there is enough access to premium, high-quality cigars from Nicaragua, Dominican. So in the US, we talk about 350 million cigars per year that is sold. 350 million. In the rest of the world, we are talking about um, 110 million. And all the other countries together, yes. combined. So we, we, call, we, we have international markets and we have the US. So we make, make that this distinguish uh, markets. The US, 350 million, and the rest of the world, Asia, Europe, Africa, 110 million. Wow. What is the, the second largest uh, cons consumption uh, country? Well, um, in Europe, Germany is the market with the biggest consumption. I think it's an estimation, but it's around 18 million cigars. And in comparison with Belgium, in Belgium we have around 1,750,000. Uh, so almost 2 uh, million uh, cigars. Uh, Spain is the, is the second biggest with 15 million cigars. And France has uh, around uh, 10 to 13 million uh, cigars. But just to put it in perspective, because mm. we are talking about a niche product. We all like it because uh, it has some mystic around uh, around it, and uh, I think it comes because of the the mafia and the mobsters. They were the bad guys smoking the cigars, but they they were also the successful uh, people. Um, it's also sometimes related with uh, um, uh, successful uh, businessmen. Um, but that's mostly because of I think the the movies, but also yeah, it's it's a, it's an expensive product. It's not a product that you yeah. I mean the average price if we talk about price, the cigars, let's say a good cigar starts at eight euro, um, and then the an expensive cigar, let's say fifty euro. Everything that is more expensive than fifty euro is bullshit in my opinion. The cigar. It has its production cost. We know what is the price of a, of an ex exclusive tobacco leaf, um, but everything is uh, is marketing more than fifty, even let's say a little bit less. Um, but if we put all this these numbers to uh, in perspective, um, if you want to know how many cigarettes are uh, 
sold in the world or smoked in the world it's a 700 uh, 7.5 trillion and we Cigars. talk cigarettes uh, cigarettes sorry 7.5 yeah, trillion cigarettes Jeez. in a year that's so insane. In, in one day, there are smoked more cigarettes than cigars in a year. Yeah, could that be the case? Yeah, yeah, of course. Altogether, yeah. annual sales of uh, handmade cigars, long fillers, it's the 350 plus the 110 million. That's all. That's a very small market. It's it's a niche market, but it's of course it has some exposure. It has a uh, feeling. Cigarettes doesn't have a feeling. It had in the past because of the the marketing campaigns and the advertisements. Um, but cigars, uh, I think in Belgium every day, twenty one million cigarettes are smoked. Every day, twenty one million cigarettes. Jesus, that's almost two cigarettes per capita. Yeah, because ninety yeah. percent of the people in Belgium they smoke. I mean, they are not nine? nineteen one night. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> one night. Yeah, and they are not all heavy smokers, so you know the average goes up. But then if you think that you realize that 1.7 million cigars are sold in Belgium and 21 million a day cigarettes smoked. So but is that that number, is it increasing or is it? Cigarettes, cigarettes consumption is, is, is um, stable to uh, decreasing a little bit worldwide, except maybe China, because China is actually the biggest uh, market for cigarettes and cigars. Um, Cigar smoking is, uh, I think it's also stable to a little bit growing because um, you are all young people. I will say goodbye to my giant pile of ash. ash. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. There it goes. Yeah. So, and that, that's exactly what you do. You give it a small uh, tap on the cigar and then the ash falls down. Yeah. Um, I will give you also some information uh, if the, cigars is not, the cigar is not burning anymore, what you have to do. Uh, but never, but never, never push a cigar because that's, I mean, that's disrespect to the cigar and the people who has made that cigar. Mm. You need to treat your cigar with respect, keeping in mind all the people behind that have done a lot of work. For and you with, especially, you, you've seen it happening yeah, live and many I see, times and probably. When I see yeah. these people you know working, the people, they, they... perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. And they do it with proudness. They are really proud and to show, look, I can make the the cigar because you have an, an, a, a normal size like you have a robusto which is uh, quite easy to roll um, at, at the, it takes at least one year to be uh, a perfect roller but then you have this torpedo uh, shape that we smoke because that's already a little bit more difficult so there you need to be a little bit more experienced in rolling and then you have other sizes like the Culebra and the Figurado. There you need uh, 10 years of experience before you are allowed to roll that cigar. And have you ever tried rolling one yourself? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did it several times, uh, not really successful. <laughs> they look like a cigar, that's all. <laughs> the, uh, it's not, uh, not for uh, sales, it's not for, uh, for the public, but for, just for myself. But at least you learn and, 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 and have the feeling how to do it. Um, but also when you see the cigar houses and, and, and then you have the gallery, it's called, with 200 sometimes. Sometimes it's only with 20 people, but bigger cigar houses, they have like 250 rollers. And actually we have a rollero and a bochero. That's always in a couple. One is making the, 
the, the, the filler and the binder and then you have the rolero and that's the person who wraps the outer leaf around the cigar that's the, the most difficult part of making a cigar so you, they, they have the couples Monchero makes the bunch and the rolero puts the, the, the wrapper the, around the cigar and they make the, uh, around 150 cigars per day together um, but you see at the back of the galera there you have the trainees and the, the less experienced rollers and how closer you come to the front of the, the galera there you have the, the experienced people and everybody is watching them I they are they have reached the top of uh, making cigars so uh, when you are on the front row you are also paid more and you are the best in rolling so it's really like craftsmanship it's craftsmanship it's not like Absolutely. just blue collar work yeah. it's at a really it's craftsmanship it's it's uh, it, and in most cases the roleros are also women because they have the the, the feeling mm. um, they have the yeah elegant the, touch elegant touch yeah. to to make that uh, very fragile and delicate leaf they can uh, they can make a beautiful cigar out of it um, yeah absolutely not easy yeah i thought about the uh, because when you were describing the process it reminded me a bit of the um, labor specialization that was that happened in the industrial revolution uh -huh. was it like the same for cigars did it used to be like one guy who did everything and then the production process had it has it optimized throughout the years yes Definitely, when you when you see uh, in, in in Cuba, for example, where we have a communistic system, there how they, of course, the the basics are the same. Everything is the is the same because they don't use uh, machines. Everything is done by hand. But you can optimize a process from the start until the beginning, but also in the in the factory. You can optimize the streams. You can optimize the selecting, you can optimize storage, you can optimize fermentation, you can optimize even fermentation. You can, because everything is done uh, by hand and smell and experience. But some of the cigar houses, uh, for example, Oliva, I have it seen with my own eyes. They have, and they are one of the first companies that do it. They have the fermentation uh, pilon, that's actually a bale of huge bale of tobaccos that are bundled together on the ground and in the center of that pilon the temperature is rising because of the fermentation it's a natural chemical process to remove the ammonia and the bad uh, products in the tobacco leaf and make it uh, an harmonious uh, tobacco uh, that is ready to uh, use for uh, cigars so they put Instead of uh, using the, 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 the hand and the, the, the smell, they put a sensor in that measures the temperature. So when the temperature reach, let's say, uh, around 60 or 70 percent, they get a signal on their phone or tablet or on the computer. Yeah. And they know, oh, it's time to uh, change the, the pilon. We have to remove the, the inner the center of the pilon, put it on the outside, and the outside leaves, we have to put it in the center. Everything like this, in most cases, is done just by experience and touching. But this is, like you said, this is an evolution. Also, there you can have a modernization. Yeah. And how many, so you said, like, 460 million cigars are consumed every year in the whole world. 
how many are handcrafted and how many are I'm talking only about uh, handmade cigars ah, okay, okay. because the part of uh, machine made cigars is much higher but I have no I have no ID I cannot tell you I can give you later that number um, but I was only talking about hand rolled cigars and and besides these uh, optimizations in these monitoring systems that you talk about uh, for temperature for uh, humidity uh, perhaps uh, is there any other room for innovation in the cigar business will we for example see like a completely new sort of of cigar one day or how likely is it that there's a kind of revolution in the cigar business how susceptible is it to innovation on on that part well very important for hand rolled cigars is that they are rolled by hand um, i don't think that uh, there we will find big evolutions or changes but the big evolution in cigar business can be the the tobacco growing making the tobacco plant more resistant against diseases uh, like mold blue mold is very known in the world uh, in in the world of tobacco it's very destructive it can completely destroy a plantation for many many years um, so finding new hybrids new varieties of tobacco to protect to find a, a leaf that is resistant so you don't have to use pesticides or you don't have to use it i think this is uh, for the future is very important um, this is but in the whole process like the curing drying tobacco leaves the fermentation the selecting sorting uh, human labor is very very important um, and optimizing processes that's possible because you don't want to have everybody running around and, and not knowing what they are doing but if you can build your factory in different steps and make sure that everything is passing through smoothly uh, that's something that can be done of course yeah. Yeah. and uh, talking about these these stereotypes that we had before so we, we talked about the um, kind of culture that that uh, joins the um, cigar smoking like the uh, the churchill figures or the yeah. the people who are a, b a bit more perhaps wealthy or more well off uh, that allows them more to to smoke more cigarettes uh, cigars sorry um is there also a justifiable stereotype or is it a stereotype that it's unhealthy as well uh, we we uh, included in the conversation already cigarettes obviously there are some uh, disadvantages there concerning health is it the as were is it the same for for cigars is it um, as bad as with cigarettes or what's the difference well i will not deny that the uh, smoking on sick is 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 is, is good yeah. it's not good i mean yeah but it's everything with moderation in my opinion if you really take time to smoke your cigar and enjoy it yeah you you sit back you relax so that's already good for your body it's already good for your uh, mental uh, health but is smoking good for you no i don't think so it's the same as drinking uh, whiskey is that good for you some people will say yeah against uh, a cold or flu but actually it's alcohol alcohol is also harmful for your body it depends on how you smoke it in in which uh, in in which quantities and in my case it's pure 
degustation and, and enjoying. Also, to pick in on, on your uh, stereotypes, it's true that uh, we have here in Europe still that stereotype of the, the more rich people smoking a cigar, uh, businessmen. And, but in the US, for example, there from the blue color to the white color, they all smoke cigars. There is no difference. You can be a factory worker, you can be a businessman or someone working for the stock exchange. They smoke all cigars. And do you think women will smoke more and more cigars than in the past? Definitely. Because it's a, of course, it, it's, 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 it looks like more a manly thing, but women, and I can give you a good example, my wife, for example, she also time to time enjoys a cigar and she has a much better uh, palate than I have. She can much better find or distinguish a certain flavor or aroma in the cigar that I have never tasted before and I said, uh-huh, yes, no, you say it and I, I, I notice it. But And I think this is maybe something that is uh, typical for women that they are able to Yeah, like they, better than, uh, like they can distinguish more colors. They also maybe can distinguish more flavors. Yeah. And is there a perfect setting for a cigar? Because now we are we were talking about cigar itself, the taste. But wh what type of, of atmosphere do you need to be to light up a cigar? First of all, this you need one, to be relaxed. <laughs> yeah, like this one. Yeah, you have what is the atmosphere, Miklas, here? <laughs> At the end of a day, I think. Yeah. Um, it can. It depends on on how you are, your personality, and also your time uh, organization. If if you are uh, uh, working from uh, nine to five, or you are working uh, in the afternoon, in the morning, it depends. It, it, it there is not really an, a perfect timing to smoke a cigar. For me, the perfect timing that's when I'm sitting, like today, with you and people who are also interested in cigars. Um, I will not often smoke a cigar on my own, but that's a personal uh, thing because you have people who really like to enjoy a cigar in the car, for example. If they have a long trip, they have a trip of two hours and they are alone, okay, that's possible. Um, but in my opinion, the perfect setting is the setting where you are relaxed and uh, feeling well. Of course, after a very busy day and you feel like, wow, I'm, I'm nervous, I need to relax, and you know you will have time, then it's time to smoke a cigar. And do you, are there like some types of drinks or uh, other types of, of, of foods that, are, that get along with, with cigars? Or? Yeah. Um, I also try to find pairings between cigars and drinks and definitely there are drinks that fits better with cigars than others. Same with food. Food is maybe a little bit difficult um, but chocolate is a very good example um, that goes very well with cigars. I think here in Belgium we have a beautiful chocolate scene um, and there are even chocolates like pralines with uh, tobacco infusion I, I don't say that that chocolate is going better with a cigar than another one but like fondant chocolate in my opinion that that works very well and alcohol we have also our belgian beers 
especially the the dark beers but also a triple can go very well with a cigar um, lately i uh, um, i will pitch my my own podcast the barber <laughs> cigar talk you can find it on spotify shout out <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a podcast where we um, pair cigars with uh, drinks and the latest uh, podcast was about uh, an Avo uh, cigar, Heritage uh, Special Toro, Dominican cigar, um, with uh, Orval. And that's a beautiful combination. And of course, maybe it will fit with other cigars too, but that was like, whoa, this is really heaven. This is such a good combination. Um, so we did that uh, about that combination. Personally, if we talk about rum, for example, a dark rum from... Uh, Nicaragua, the Flor de Caña, or a rum from uh, Dominican Republic and Barcelona, they go also very well with cigars. Even better, in my opinion, than whiskey. Whiskey goes very well with cigars, but it's more tricky. If you go for a peated whiskey, then you smoke, and then you have like too much smoke. It's you, the product that you want to combine needs to be in balance. It has to be like even with each other. A strong cigar, you don't drink it with a pills. A strong cigar, you will smoke it with a, yeah, a darker beer or, or uh, a stronger uh, beer. Um, a light cigar like the, the Griffins, in my opinion, it goes very well with uh, champagne even. Or with your uh, Ename. Absolutely. I knew that, that's why I chose it. <laughs> um, but that's a wonderful world. I think uh, I'm not uh, uh, I'm not really in the molecular uh, science. Uh, I'm more just trial and error. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, as they say in Russian, na vkus na cet, yet. Over smaak en kleur kunnen niet discussiëren. Dus dat is echt heel, het is very, very personal. It's, it, it depends on your own palate, your experience, and how more cigars you, you try to smoke, and, and then you find other combinations, and the better your palate is, is uh, developing, the more combinations you can find. It seems like your, your passion for cigars has brought you at various places already. Like, um, perhaps it was more in the beginning centered around your job at uh, Crison. Yeah. in the tobacco where you had a, a lot of or, or perhaps even now I, I'm not sure if we clarified specifically what your involvements are what your jobs are for the moment but yeah. I heard or I looked up before that you're also still in the in the exporting uh, yes. business so tell us a bit about about your adventures if I may call it th that way there and how it's how the communication with the countries goes and and what's the yeah, what's the deal there? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point because I'm now working eight years for the company uh, Cortez van der Malire in Zwebegem. It's uh, our Belgian family company uh, that is making cigars. And that also uh, a couple of years ago they bought uh, the brand Oliva. It's a US-based company with production in Nicaragua. So the company I'm working for is, is, is really moving forwards and is becoming one of the, the, the major players internationally. 
And there I'm also uh, responsible for the, the, the export for the region, also for the duty-free. Uh, everywhere where you go in the world, airports, uh, where you find uh, cigars. Um, I'm having the meetings with the key accounts, the retailers. And I'm also responsible for uh, training, uh, long filler training. So long filler means a cigar that is made by hand. Long filler comes from the, the leaves are full leaves. And the training is about tasting the cigar? Uh, now it's much more about uh, how a cigar is uh, constructed, uh, from where is the tobacco coming, what are the, the different uh, types of tobacco that are used, how a cigar is made, because there is really a lack of education also with our international clients, importers, and there is also a lot of interest in this knowledge, because a cigar, you can, it's not a product that you just sell, you need to No, it's like selling wine. You need to know a little bit about the wine. You need, about, you need to know about the varieties of grapes that are used. So most people expect uh, a minimum of knowledge. And that's what I'm sharing from my experience, from my travels to Cuba and Mexico and Honduras and Nicaragua, Dominican Republic. Um, I also love that. I, I like to do that. But my main job is export. Uh, it's... Um, Uh, Europe, um, East Europe also, uh, Russia, all the Russian-speaking uh, countries, Africa, and uh, duty-free. So oh. I'm traveling a lot. Who are the toughest people to, to sell? <laughs> the toughest people to negotiate? Well, um, you already, you, you already <laughs> complimented the Russians <laughs> with the vodka, so maybe oh, there's yeah. a room for well, it. <laughs> you, you were asking about a, a story, and uh, I always tell that story, and it was at a time when I was uh, in, uh, working for Grison, mm -hmm. and I found a prospect in Kazakhstan. I have never sold, or we, the company has never sold their tobacco, and there was also no competitor, competitor there in Kazakhstan, and someone reached out to me and they said we would like to uh, import uh, the tobacco and, and distribute can you come so i came and when i arrived in uh, in almaty immediately they went with me to a restaurant so i was like uh, yeah hours on the plane then arriving uh, immediately going to a restaurant because yeah they asked me are you hungry i said yeah a little bit then Uh, after the meal, we went to uh, to the house of the, the owner and uh, he was uh, guiding me around the house and the garden and he said, we are making a barbecue for you, it's called Cheslik. I said, okay, perfect, yeah, I just come from the restaurant and we will eat again. But And um, during the whole afternoon, we were eating, talking, drinking, wine, vodka, but no business. There were no single word. Every time that they wanted to start talking about my product, they said, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Uh, and then during the evening, uh, at the end, I had even camel milk. But I was so drunk, I was not even uh, able to, <laughs> <laughs> to find out is it bad or not. But the day after, when they picked me up, they said, okay, let's go uh, to my partner house and we will have a meal there. And then I said, yeah, but uh, when do we talk about our business? Ah, that will come. I said, yeah, but in the afternoon I have my flight back home. 
yeah, yeah, don't worry. And then uh, I was on the table with the, 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 the owner and his partner and the whole family. Big table. How, and many, I, how many people were in the room? I think we were around 10, 12 people. And I was sitting on the on the, the head of the table as a honored guest, I guess. Um, and they served me a, a big plate with a huge portion of meat, only meat, and a big knife. So I was really wondering what is going on here. I, I need to eat this. And I started to cut the meat and eat it, tried to, but it was not possible, it was too big. And then luckily, after that, we, uh, we went for the meeting and they placed an order. So everything went well, I thought. But uh, when I returned home, I said that was like something very strange with that meat. Something is wrong. I need to check this. So I was checking on the internet the, the culture of, and that's my point. You should first check culture differences and so on. Because uh, I found out that that piece of meat I had to cut it and serve it to all the people attending on the table and I was trying to eat it all <laughs> so that was a little bit uh, a mistake uh, not uh, not very well prepared but uh, uh, until today he is still one of my best clients because oh, okay, then really, yeah. uh, when I started to work in the cigars uh, I called him and I said look Oleg can we also talk about cigars and he said, yes, of course. And no, he is one of the biggest clients in the region there. So he is really... Uh, but he has never uh, s uh, said something about my bad uh, did behavior. You, did you <laughs> apologize? No. Well, I, I think, yes, I did. But not at the, at, at the same time. It was later on that I said, yeah, remember that we were sitting on your, on your table with the family? Uh, and yeah. But, yeah. So, so you ate... <laughs> <laughs> An entire piece of meat worth for for ten people. Yes, on your own. Yeah, but they couldn't finish it. Huh? That was yeah, that okay, was obvious. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And well, what did you, the rest they eat? But there was, I mean, Kazakhstan and Russia and all like Georgia, the Caucasus, these countries, Mongolia, Kyrgyzstan, these cultures they are used to have huge tables, so everybody has enough. Had enough. It was not like. I was the only one with uh, meat, but I was with the, the, the piece, the most important part of the sheep. I think it was sheep, yeah. but there was enough other meat and, and, and stuff on the table. That was not the... <laughs> if, you, if you go f uh, for a trip to a client, how uh, long, how many days are you away from home? Well, um, in Europe, it's uh, it depends a little bit, uh, two, three days. Um, but when I'm going to... Uh, Asia, of course, it's a one week, uh, one week and a half maximum. Um, it depends a little bit. Uh, sometimes you try to combine different uh, countries because when you are traveling in, uh, in, in Europe, it's easy. You, you take your plane, you visit your client, you do an event, you, do, uh, you, you, you discuss everything, you do a market visit, you look at the shops because it's also important to check shops check the competition, what are they doing, what actions they are doing, what is our position in the, in the shops, are we listed in, uh, in the cash and carries or in bigger tobacco chains and so on. Um, but when you travel to uh, overseas regions, then you try to combine different uh, countries together. Yeah. And that takes a little bit more time. 
and it doesn't always end up uh, drinking. <laughs> I have to say, it's uh, in most cases, uh, yeah, you need to know how to drink. Yeah. Oh, that's like a, a requirement <laughs> for a good client relationship. Well, I think that, uh, for example, in Russia, and it's uh, it sounds like a cliche for Russians, but it's not only there because when I'm traveling to Latin America, I have the same feeling. Um, always people try to test you and, and when you drink the local uh, spirit and you eat the local food, you open up the relation between each other and they can test you. Are you able to eat and drink? Do, are you enjoying it? Are you able to have a normal conversation? Can they trust you? And I, I like it. So for me, it's not a, it's not a burden. It's, a, it's more like enjoying. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's a, a nice part of the job. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, like uh, in Iceland, they they say if you're a real Viking, you need to eat this uh, these rotten fish. Or in in, uh, in in Scotland, you really need to eat the haggis. The haggis. Yeah. Yeah. All that that type. So, uh, I would think like in some cultures where they know it's a cultural aspect, but they know it's not taken that seriously. There could be some room for pranking. That's what I feel uh, like. That they give you some food, like try this out, and then. Uh, but that that's on a, on a, on a different uh, on a different time uh, schedule, not the first meeting because okay. it's all very professional. We are talking about business to business. Um, of course, if you know a client for many many years, they can do something like this with you, or it's the same like we do when I invite uh, clients. I remember I was once inviting my clients from the UK. And they, we always have good time when we are in London or in Kendall or in Edinburgh. We we drink quite a lot of beer, and they also can drink a lot of beer. But it's not the same beer as we have here in Belgium. So when I invite my clients from the UK, and I remember very well the first time, and they were we were having a guided tour in Bruges. Uh, four people: the owner and his three salesmen. And uh, they said, oh, we want beer. We are thirsty. I said, yeah, okay, let's have a proper beer. Let's try some uh, Trappist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, then we can also have a delirium and so on. But uh, I said, wait, don't drink too fast. Let's enjoy the beer. But they can't because they're used to drink fast. Yeah. So after two duvels and uh, one delirium, I noticed already some... Uh, uh, drunkness and we were still at the starter in the yeah, restaurant yeah. and they continue of course because they don't want to show like whoa I feel uh, drunk and that's that's it's not a, it's, not, it, it's not it, a prank but you know this will happen and did it have a, a positive impact on the on the price <laughs> on the price <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's something that's very important you need to be uh, discuss your prices before you go to the restaurant I imagine never yeah. discuss prices yeah. when you are in a restaurant but it's uh, also something that I, I like the because and I am also very uh, grateful to the fact that I'm working uh, for a company an international company that I'm able to travel meet people in the cigar world in the business world because from these moments I learn the most and pure work business but also cigars I learn the most by talking with people I am not the one who knows everything about cigars I every day learn something new and I learn the most when I'm traveling and meeting uh, people from abroad um, and I'm 
again, I'm very grateful that I am able to travel and meet these people and see the countries um, and, and feel the culture. And that's also important. If you are open for that, you can do international business. You just need to open, be open and, and respect your client, his, uh, his values and his culture. And when they see that, you can start doing business. We, we noticed you also uh, link cigars to, to the barbershop, to barbershops. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you come up with, with uh, this association? And what, what do you do exactly? Um, I started, uh, so when I started in 2018 with Oh My Cigar, and that's a side business. Um, I, I am having with Oh My Cigar an Inmans Zaak. Um, I tried to find out what is the future for that company. And I, I never want to make that company as a, as a, as a, the, 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 my life. This is beside, this is doing my passion um, it's not that I want to live from my oh my cigar business but of course when you start doing uh, this kind of entrepreneurial uh, thing yeah you want to grow and when you see something that is uh, like okay this is difficult but this is uh, something that could be uh, interesting and maybe better for oh my cigar and that was uh, in 2019 I started with uh, selling to uh, restaurants so we have a humidor and a humidor is a, is a, is a box like this uh, where we have a selection of cigars and people can select the cigar I make the menu with the price a little bit about the taste a little bit about the body of the cigar a little bit about the strength of the cigar um, but I take care of the humidor so the restaurant holder or the barber he doesn't have to know anything about cigars He just has to allow me to get in the humidor, make the selection. Uh, I maintain the, the, the humidity and that's a service that I offer. And uh, my barber um, is a Maison Oilac in uh, Poperingen. It was before in, in Ypres, but he moved to Poperingen. So I go every month to Poperingen to have a shave. Um, and uh, he said, yeah, I also would like to sell cigars because I have a clientele that is perfect for you only male people only male interested in in, in, in taking care of themselves uh, shaving they are interested in cigars I said okay let's uh, put a humidor with a small selection of cigars and see how it goes and yeah it went well and then uh, last year um, middle of last last year 2020 I started the cooperation with Romain Barbershop in Ghent And that's on a, on a higher level. There I have put big cabinets, uh, big selection. Um, he is also open seven on seven. Um, so he has a, a nice clientele who is also looking for uh, this kind of product. It fits perfectly uh, with the grooming and uh, the lifestyle, the But luxury. They, they are not, they are not uh, tasting the cigar while... No, 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 no. That's not allowed in Belgium. No, no, no. It's only selling. And um, of course, uh, when I'm there, sometimes they ask uh, advice and I give advice um, also with the menu. Uh, but uh, it's not allowed to smoke while you are in the barber chair. Do you think there is a reason why my cigar is still longer than yeah, the one of Julius and the one of you? It seems like I'm 
finished um, um, at the yeah when you a... reach the ring your cigar has finished you can remove the ring and smoke a little bit further if you want if you are feeling well with it then you can do it but normally i smoke my cigar to the ring because we were not talking about the evolution in the cigar but the cigar starts then you have the middle part of your cigar and then you have the end part and the middle part is the best part the start can a little bit more difficult but when you are in the middle part you're on the best part so the, the the part of the cigar you enjoy the most the end you have the nicotine that comes up a little bit stronger a little bit more harsh um, and then you, you you can stop and just put your cigar in the ashtray don't push it just lay it there it will stop burning itself um, but it's also yeah everybody has a different pace in smoking i'm also a kind of person that smokes slowly Especially today, because I talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, because I, I had a feeling that I was smoking more, but my cigar is still longer. I think there was kind of obstruction. In the uh -huh. I see it's still burning, so that's good. Um, Perhaps it's because yeah. mine is lighter as well, right? So it's, it's maybe... But it's also, it has to do easier. something with the construction. If there is a little bit more uh, Ligero, as I said, or a little bit more Sego Viso, then it it, uh, it, it it has a different pace of uh, burning. Um, so you, you you told us the, the Olivia uh, Serie 5 is like um, a daily, it's a, a good cigar, but you smoke it regularly. Yeah, that's my and one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah And yeah. Um, do you sometimes notice different tastes in between the cigars? Well, what is beautiful on a cigar, and it's different to wines, for example, is that with a cigar, the master blender, they always try to keep the taste consistent. So the crop every year has different influences from climate, from weather. Um, and that's also the reason why they age tobaccos for many, many years, because they want to make the percentage of the different leaves inside your cigar on, on such a uh, level that the taste of the cigar is every year the same. So the cigar that I smoke today, it has to smoke or it has to taste the same next year and the year after. Because a cigar smoker, he wants to choose a certain brand, a certain model, Vitola, and they want to have the same taste. So there is no, there should be no big difference in the, in the taste of a cigar over the several years. And that's also the reason why, for example, you find on the market limited editions. It's because the tobacco crop is so limited that they know we can only make it once or twice. So we call it a limited edition um, because they are not able to continue the the cigar uh, the same flavor and aromas over the the next uh, coming years do, do you do you think a lot of clients smoke uh, are, are they brand loyal mm -hmm. do, do they always smoke the same brand sometimes or? well in the past the older uh, cigar smokers they were very loyal to their brands um, 80 percent of the of the The market today in Belgium are Cuban cigar smokers. They only smoke Cuban cigars. Um, and Cuban is also the, the first, let's say, um, it's, it's as, uh, yeah, we know it as the baker mat of, uh, of cigars. And that's slowly changing. So the older cigar smoker is loyal. 
um, and maybe they try different cigars from the same region, Cuba for example, um, but they will not often try a cigar from Nicaragua. But the younger cigar smokers, let's say people from uh, let's say 25 to 40, 50 years old, who has access to more cigars than let's say 20 years ago, they try different cigars. And of course I have my favorites, um, but I like to try other cigars. Um, and I don't think there, 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 is, there is a kind of loyalty, because you, you, you pick your favorite cigar or selection, but the younger generation wants to try different cigars. The same you notice in the, in the, in the wines or in the whiskey. In the wine you can be very uh, uh, happy with a, a Bordeaux or a Bourgogne, but uh, most of the younger, uh, even wine sommeliers, they will try different wines. They want to widen up their taste profile, their palate. Um, they are not that loyal anymore to one single brand. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a rich, richness, it's, 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 it's better, it's good. Is there like a, a holy grail in, in cigar uh, smoking? What's like the, okay, this is um, like, like I don't know, I don't know, even know an example with wines, for example, of red wine or white yeah. wine, but is there a, like a golden standard or this is the holy grail of cigars? Mm -hmm. Is there something like that? Um, yeah, good question. Uh, personally, I don't think there is like a golden grail in the, in, the, in the cigars, but what I sometimes explain to really cigar lovers who are looking for new cigars and altates, always something new and, and different, and said, look, you need to try to uh, focus on the, on the longer, older brands. Because they have a very long heritage, they have a kind type, they have a quality uh, level. Um, you should try to smoke these cigars, enjoy these cigars, and now and then you smoke something from a smaller uh, cigar host, something new. Um, but uh, a holy grail, I, I don't think so. Of course, yes, sometimes you you can find a, a cigar that is uh, maybe, for example, uh, Davidov pre-embargo that's something I also would like to smoke once although I know the taste will be not that good because it's too old um, but in most cases in Belgium we have good access to all cigars mm. um, I think I, if, if, if someone is asking me uh, do you have that cigar I have seen it in one magazine in the US and I tell them oh, this cigar it's not available in Belgium um, oh, that's a pity. Yeah, but have you tried the 500 other cigars already mm. that are available and that I have access to and I can give you? Why you should try something that has been in in a magazine and has a rating of 30, uh, 93 uh, points? Yeah, which but is yeah. maybe to put it differently. What's like the uh, in your cabinets? What's the cigar? Is there a cigar that you're most proud of what's like your uh -huh. crown jewel of of your cabinet if you look <laughs> maybe it's hard to choose between your it's like my children i cannot children, choose yeah. <laughs> it's not possible it's not possible okay okay no of course there are cigars that has a little bit more my my uh, preference to others but i i really i don't really have like uh, one cigar that is like wow this is and 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 if that's the case probably i have already smoked it so it's gone <laughs> <laughs> 
is there um there, there used to be tobacco in belgium as well yes like uh, the samoa and what's the other region again uh in wervik wervik yes yeah. i thought and now um because i i used to uh, i went to the ardennes last weekend and i all i um, still saw the, the the cabins to dry the tobacco yeah, the curing barns yeah, yeah. But, but all all the tobacco is gone is there a reason for that is it because it's not um, there is no money to make it with it anymore or Well, at the time of my grandparents, there was uh, the tobacco business was flourishing. I mean, when they started after the Second World War, um, tobacco was uh, was a product that was really asked for, um, and also the, the 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 Belgian government. They, I mean, on every tobacco product, they earn money, and that was the same on the on the tobacco plants. But um, of course, with the growing awareness that tobacco is not good for your health they stopped subsidizing the farmers so the farmers slowly stopped with growing tobacco because it was not uh, interesting anymore to grow it and it's it takes a lot of time and and and, and knowledge and uh, but uh, it's yeah, in, in most of the cases for the farmer it was more interesting to to grow some uh, corn or potatoes and they stopped slowly with uh, growing tobacco for is that there, reason is there still a, 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 a big evolution ongoing concerning the legislation here in belgium yes but let me um, also uh, finish a little bit more about that tobacco because in belgium and the samoa region and in wervik you can find some small regions or plantations um, but it is very very limited And it's more like a personal personal passion of that person who wants to do that, and they also try bio bio uh, tobaccos without pesticides, and um, and some of these tobaccos are used for uh, roll your own tobacco. The Belgian tobacco has never been really good enough for cigars. This type of cigars, Belgian tobacco was good for the cigarillo, the smaller one, but not for a handmade cigar. Um, In legislation and anti-tobacco laws, it's uh, it's every year stricter and stricter. Um, it's also in Europe, worldwide. It's uh, it's becoming more difficult to to sell uh, uh, tobacco products in general. And even though, as we we were talking about cigars as a different product, um, and I hope everybody that listens understand that there is a big difference between a cigar now and, 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 and a cigarette but um, the law is for all tobacco products the same so if you have to put a health warning on a box it has to be the same percentage covering the box as with the cigarettes um, selling uh, tobacco to minus obviously is forbidden um, Smoking on in public places is forbidden, but also taxation. There is a big uh, taxation on, on tobacco products, um, and that's a little bit the, the difficulty uh, for the government. The, from one side, they earn money, they receive money. On the other side, they know that if people smoke too much, they have the cost of uh, um, health uh, costs. In the in the population, um, 
So that's uh, it's a uh, it's a battle or it's a uh, yeah an, an evolution that we cannot stop, and that will become even more difficult uh, because every year we have something new that comes up. Um, in some markets, for example, uh, well in in Belgium, we are quite okay. In France, for example, the cigarettes are now with plain packaging. That means, and in Belgium, it's yeah it's the same. Um, it's the olive green color of your pack. Um, yeah, cigars are still exempted, but also when you look at the volumes, the numbers of uh, sticks sold, it's a big, huge difference. And of course, we, we all know cigarettes are uh, addictive. Uh, are cigars addictive? Yes, of course. Yeah, but are you addicted to cigars? Well, I can honestly say that uh, I'm not addicted to cigars. I really love cigars. I'm passionate about it, and I. I like to smoke a cigar, but I will never, when I am nervous or I don't have the time or it's, for example, I'm traveling and I, I don't have the the space to smoke, I will not really crave for a cigar. Mm. I can easily smoke uh, or I can easily uh, three days or one week without a cigar if, if, it's, uh, if it's the case. Um, it has but I think that this is a physical yeah you have the nicotine so let's not uh, do uh, or deny that yeah but if you can smoke a cigar in a moderate way in the way that i try to explain people is uh, it's it's not it's it's not something that you easily get addicted to and are you afraid that at some point maybe in the long horizon can be that tobacco in general will be illegal or do you think the, the government still makes too much money from the taxation yeah the, the government is still earning money from tobacco products um, will the product be illegal uh, I can I, I really don't know I really hope it will not happen um, it's also important that we try to explain the difference between different types of tobacco Yeah, um, if you if we succeed in explaining that there is a, that the cigar is a luxury product that is, I mean, who has ever seen a 12 year old boy smoking a cigar? They will not do it. First of all, taste they will not like it, and the price is, is far too high. So there should be a difference between certain types of tobacco products. Um, but to answer your question, I have no idea, and I. Today it's a legal product and we enjoy it and I, I really hope that this will continue. Yeah. The fact that you have don't have an idea seems that it may be possible in, in the distant future. You no? never it's, know. Huh? Yeah. For me it's um, it seems uh, a, a bit unreal that it might be illegalized one day. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it seems far, far-fetched. Yeah, because uh, we see in other drugs, or maybe especially cannabis, The, it's the other way around. It's more like becoming more and more legal, and it's also yeah. Yeah. Uh, nicotine and a kind of smoking. So, but I, I don't that's, think the, that's the, the weird, weird uh, reasoning behind uh, the whole legislation against tobacco. And I'm absolutely not against um, regulation of uh, of selling tobacco products. It has to be regulated anyway, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird reasoning indeed uh, that from one side uh, a very addictive 
uh, drugs would be something like very common and, and normal while a cigar which is pure I mean tobacco there is no additive in there is no uh, added flavor or something it's just pure tobacco um, but okay today there are no uh, no reasons to think that it will happen um, and also yeah I mean for me personally it's also a product it's an instrument of freedom I am free to to do and like what I want to like yeah, yeah because you don't harm anyone else well um, if you are in a regulated environment like we are in Belgium that you only smoke in the places where you are allowed to smoke it's your choice but if indeed if I'm smoking on, on uh, in, in, in a pub in a restaurant I will not do it as, as a, a courtesy because the, the smell probably will not uh, please everybody around me on the table uh, but yeah I can understand that people say yeah but uh, you smoke but it's not my choice I don't want to inhale uh, harmful uh, smoke that's uh, yeah that's for me it's normal it has to be regulated to make sure that especially cigars can be smoked in a safe environment like here when you have ventilation um, there are no miners here um, and everybody is free to sit here and, and enjoy the cigar do you think um, I, w I want to hear your opinion about uh, e-cigarettes as as a like relative? I, I see you're smiling a bit. But <laughs> it's relative new player. I have nothing to say about e-cigarettes. No and vaping. No, there's, there's not a fan. No, for the concept. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a competition for for no. It's like I, I remember how I see it is you have like. Um, uh, like you have wine in, in the beverages, mm -hmm. you have wine and then you have like a, a frisdrank, how do you say it? Beverages. Beverages. It's maybe the same yeah. with cigars and then e-cigarettes. It's like the yeah, it's first of all, it's a, yeah, it's a different yeah. uh, target group. It's a okay. different, I mean, at the beginning of the e-cigarettes, the, the e we saw Chinese products and they, they had the shape, the shape, sorry, as a cigar. Mm -hmm. I mean, plastic, a device the shape of a cigar and some people said ah, that's dangerous for the cigars come on guys that's absolutely <laughs> we are talking about a product that has an evolution uh, that uh, that that has a feeling and experience with with, with e-cigarettes you, you only have the the flavor and the taste and maybe the the nicotine but it has nothing to do that the, the one product you cannot compare with the other so it's a different target group it's no competition at all um, and personally, I don't like it. I think it's uh, more a show-off than uh, than 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 a real product that people really need. But perhaps it's, it's a my good personal opinion, of course. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps it's a good way uh, because it has been researched and there has been a lot of controversy about it uh, as it being unhealthy. But in fact, it seems out of the research that it's a good. Um, alternative for people who like uh, smoke a lot cigarettes i don't think there has been enough investigation or uh, because also you need to know that this kind of uh, researches they are i think not independent enough who is doing that research probably they are uh, linked to one of another manufacturer um, saying that uh, e-cigarettes will help younger people not to smoke cigarettes, I don't believe that. Yeah. Of course, it can, it, it, 
everything is possible, but I don't think it's uh, it's the case. Um, of course, I have also not done the research, so I don't know. Uh, I leave it over to the the scientist. But um, personally, no, I I don't believe that people who think I will smoke e-cigarettes and who says that e-cigarettes are better for your health than than uh, than let's say a cigar. Yeah. That's also something that we don't know. Yeah. Um, and you inhale that, so you inhale some chemical substances in your lungs. I prefer to smoke a proper tobacco product and not to inhale. And that's what we do with a cigar. We never inhale. Yeah. Do, awesome. do you hope one day you can smoke a cigar with your son? Mm, of course, yeah. That's But I will question. never uh, oblige him if he, if he doesn't want to try. Uh, no problem. It's, it's uh, yeah. For example... My uh, grandparents, they were in the tobacco business, uh, but he had uh, four sons and one daughter, um, and no one of them is smoking. Um, and all the grandsons and granddaughters, I know I'm the only one who is uh, smoking cigars. That's a personal choice, and if my son is, uh, is ready for it and he wants to try, of course, I will, I will give him a chance to try when he is 18. Again, for me, this is very personal. I mean, everybody who is interested in cigars, that doesn't mean that they like cigars. They can try, they can maybe like the atmosphere and the, and the, the feeling around it, but maybe they don't like the taste, they don't like the, the process. Yeah, that's, that's our freedom. Was there for you um, at any point, because you're doing a very particular... Um, It's a hobby slash it's your job as well. Uh -huh. And it's your passion. Uh, was there in your... Because we're, we're like our uh, target population for... The majority is students. And uh, because we're students as well. And in, the, in your student time, you're put before life choices. What you're going yeah. to do. What's, what's your job going to be. Was there any doubt for you this, that this is what you wanted to do? Or was it always as clear as it is right now for you? Uh, when I was a student, yeah, uh, absolutely not. I was not even not thinking to do something in the tobacco business. Mm -hmm. The moment that I decided to do something tobacco business was the moment when I was in Brussels at the, the trade show, calling to the company Grison and asking if they wanted an export manager because that was my, let's say, first goal. I want to continue my career in international business. But when I saw the name Grison as a, as a fast-growing company, I thought, yeah, that's perfect. And there everything started. But I had already um, my pleasure in smoking cigars when I was 25, but that was at the beginning. It was not like I thought I want to do something uh, with cigars or tobacco in my professional life. My first goal was to do something in international business. And now I have the combination and I found my passion. It, sometimes it's difficult to, also when I talk with my son who is 16, yeah, what, 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 what can I do? What, what will be my uh, choice? Yeah. yeah, it's very difficult. I, at that time I was looking into marketing, sales, because I, I knew this is something I, I, I enjoy and which I can do. <laughs> Um, you also need to know a little bit your limitations and your skills and but slowly it, it became uh, like okay uh, and then step by step 
you grow and then after um, many years in the tobacco business I came in the cigar business and then I realized I want to do something myself also because what, what for me was the biggest trigger to start Oh My Cigar that was I found out that there was no knowledge, no education at all about cigars. Mm. People smoke cigars but they have no idea what is available on the market, how is a cigar made, what is the real pleasure of smoking a cigar. Because you have a lot of cigar smokers just doing that because of like with the, the champagne or because of the, the, the label, the etiquette. I really wanted to give more body on to, to educate yeah, yeah. the Belgians again. Yes. Yeah. So actually you can phrase it like that to educate again the Belgians what is a cigar. I think I think you're succeeding by because you all this is also part of your mission. Yes, yes, I absolutely. Hope our our yeah. listeners will, will also be more educated about cigars right now. Three yeah. Belgians have been educated tonight. <laughs> So uh, yeah, and it's absolutely not about promoting. It's more about education. Everybody has his own uh, will and and freedom to to choose what they want to to do. If they want after this uh, nice uh, conversation, if they say mm, that's something interesting, I want to 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 learn more about it. I think then I succeeded. But it's again, it's uh, it's your own choice. Mm. I hope you can go back traveling again. After the corona, I do already. You already do? Yeah, my uh, this year I traveled uh, to Hamburg and last week to Krakow, um, and that's a very um, uh, yeah special thing because we are not allowed to travel as Belgians until first of April, I think. But business traveling is seen as an essential part for the economy, so. I have to declare, of course, that I really need to go there for a business meeting because I'm working for a family company. And after, let's say, my last trip last year was in September. So from September to December, I have not traveled. I did everything by Zoom and Teams, and that works. But as I told you before, the personal contact with your clients is very, very important. And I want to be the first who is again traveling, meeting these people that they say, look, uh, Thomas is coming, uh, let's set up the meeting and they will remember okay, that company, that brand, that person is, uh, is, is having a meeting with us, is doing the effort. Um, been, uh, first week of March, I will go to Budapest. Of course, this is uh, short trips. My last long trip was uh, last year to Nicaragua, just one week before the, the lockdown. I was for one week in Nicaragua for a cigar training on the plantation. And, and but uh, yeah, I think... Uh, Cigaragua, <laughs> as I see in the, on, on the book right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Indeed. nickname. Yeah. yeah. But Cigaragua is actually a name of a, of a cigar shop in, in Amsterdam. Okay. And they made a, a book with all the cigar houses that are uh, based in, uh, in Nicaragua, in Esteli. And Esteli is a, is a city, is actually the, the, the capital, the cigar capital of, uh, of Nicaragua. Okay. The, the, the real capital is Managua, but Esteli is the, the place where they are, uh, all the cigar houses are based. And it's a flourishing city in a very poor country. But this city, most people, uh, I think 40,000 people work in the cigar business as 
from the plantations to the fermentation, uh, the rollers, everything. So it's 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 also very important for such a country to have this kind of business because it's one of the only products that they can export and earn money. Uh, who, who is the largest export country? Well, in the cigars, it's still Cuba. Uh, because you, you told us the USA is the, the largest market. consumption uh, yeah. country. Yeah. And then, then you say Cuba isn't allowed to export to the USA. So how come that Cuba is the largest? Well, a part of the, the Cuban cigars still arrive in the United States. Um, that's not legal. Um, but also, yeah, they sell... Uh, You have to know that in Europe and in China, the biggest part, biggest percentage of cigars that are smoked are Cubans. So the New World cigars, as we call it, like you have the New World wines, the New World cigars from Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic, they're going uh, mostly to the United States. Here in, in, in Belgium, as I told you, only yeah, 20% is New World. Um, and the same in many other markets in Europe. I think... Germany, the biggest cigar country of Europe, is an exemption. There you have 50-50, I think. Or even maybe more already, New World. Would there be like a... Um, if, you, if there's one takeaway message that people have from this conversation, could you like bite-size it to, to one thing that you want to put out there for, for people who are rookies as, as, I was, as I was in the beginning of this conversation? Uh, to remember or to uh, or to pinpoint here like uh, guys this is what cigars are this is what you have to remember if there's one thing to remember from this conversation well it's uh, definitely enjoying enjoy your cigar enjoy your time um, enjoy everything that you do also in your uh, you are st as students um, try to do something that you like Um, don't uh, do something that you think well okay in the beginning you need to do a lot of stuff that you don't like but you have some ideas where you want to end and then uh, you will uh, reach it and then you will enjoy but it's very important and it's the same for me personally uh, for me this is not uh, working um, I think this is the, the most important message that I would like to give to everybody Uh, is uh, enjoy what you do try to pursue the the things in life that you like um, yeah and cigar smoking is an art so be patient take time uh, don't rush it if you don't like it forget it there are many other things that you can enjoy uh, but if you want to do it do it with uh, yeah moderation and with some knowledge with some education and perhaps do it with Yes, so, of uh, course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, thank you very much for this conversation, Thomas. And, uh, You're absolutely welcome. Eh? And That's thank you for the cigars, which uh, is finished right now for me. But uh, I really, we really enjoyed it, I think. Yeah, and it was, uh, I think, not a bad combination with the, the Ename triple that you had exactly, from yeah, Odenarde. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was a good match. <laughs> yeah, from here where we are right now in Odenarde. So, yeah, uh, beautiful match. But thank you again. Peter Ham. <laughs> <laughs> It's Peter Ham. <laughs> Not Odenarde. Pretty, pretty Peter Ham.
Thank you for listening, everyone. This was, again, a very interesting episode, the third of the third season. I want to thank Baptiste Voss for all his work he's putting into this podcast. I want to thank Julius Schalstrat, my co-host. And, of course, again, for music, Paul the Pit. Thank you for listening, and until next week.